Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. The off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Seat Time, everybody. Brian Pierce here, your host for the online show for the off-road enthusiasts. Um, as you can tell, it's about 8.06 uh, Central Standard Time here in Texas, so six minutes late. Considering all the things that have been going on lately, I think we're doing pretty good. I don't think that's all that bad, so thank you guys for paying attention and for tuning in for Seat Time. We really, really appreciate it. So last week, we did a really big episode talking about a lot of the uh, athletes going to X Games and a lot of the stuff we were going to see there in the Moto X world. I can tell you that Circuit of the Americas is effing huge, and uh, we're going to get a chance to talk to Colton Haker a little bit later. He did get fourth um, in the Enduro X men's final. Really, really uh, great job. The racing was super intense. I've got some wicked pictures that I've been developing and working with um, that I'm going to be kind of putting out a little bit for Verb Off-Road and for other sites, um, so just be paying attention for those. Of course, Facebook as well. I'll put them out there uh, just because why not? That's a good place for people to check them out and share and talk about shit being cool. So, yes, so Seat Time, brought to you by the great, fine folks over at flyracing.com. Uh, if you're looking for any kind of gear while you're out there riding your dirt bike, definitely uh, go check out their site. Go check out their gear. Go to your local di uh, dealer or distributor and be like, I want to buy some Fly Racing gear. What should I get? And they will be able to help you out. Of course, Stillwell Performance is making all your squishy less weird and less awkward and more awesome. So those of you guys, you can check out stillwellperformance.com for all of your suspension needs they do good stuff on uh, different kind of modifications and fun parts as well so definitely check out their website you can call them and be like seat times wicked awesome blah 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 blah. we've also talked about the kr4 arrive and ride experience if for some strange reason you have not heard us talk about this before go check them out at kr4performance.com uh, their arrive and ride experience is a great way for you to fly in to a gncc or national duo race your dirt bike and fly back out all of those things are fun awesome and great ways to support seat time uh, go check them out, have fun, and race your dirt bike. I think that'd be cool. So getting to it, we've got Charlie Mullins on. Um, I have to ask because why not? We do it all the time. Mr. Charlie Mullins, how is your evening going, kind sir? Uh, it's going pretty well. Uh, just sitting on the couch watching the new RoboCop, and that's about it. Yeah? So did you download it illegally? No, just iTunes. Nice. So do it well, the right way. Yeah, we don't mean to take you away from such uh, stunning, new, spectacular movies uh, out on the internet these days, but I will tell you, it's not that bad. My wife and I saw it while I was in the theater, and it was pretty good. I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna enjoy it. Yeah, it's not, it's not too bad so far. It's, uh, you know, not much I really can do. So just watch movies. I hear that. I hear that. Yeah, you're, you're definitely in a predicament, and uh, that's gonna be fun to. To learn more about, I think that there's been a lot of speculation. Obviously, the picture you posted on Instagram was absolutely horrific, um, and it, maybe it was the angle, maybe it was maybe the angle of the dangle. But man, alive, that wrist looked like it was not in a very good place. Um, but I did have to ask: Have you happened to seen any of our chatter about the new shirts that we have for sale right now? 
No, I haven't. Well, then this is a prime opportunity for me to tell you and all the other fine folks out there right now at teespring.com slash seat time. You can go for the next nine days. This shirt will be for sale. So, Charlie, for because you obviously have not checked it out yet, you don't know about this shirt. This is pretty much the most collaboration we have ever put into a design. Our good friend Brian Voral from uh, Voral Designs went in, partnered up with us for it. And uh, it is. It all started as if Seat Time were to have a beer label, which obviously beer drinking penetration show. Who wouldn't want that? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's how it started. It was like we want to create that label, and it morphed and it changed a little bit. And this is this is what it is now. So definitely, if you guys haven't seen it, or if you don't know yet, like Mr. Charlie Mullins, don't continue to be that way. Teespring.com/slash/seattime. You can go check it out. Uh, we got a handful more that we need to sell. So that they get printed, we just need to sell 35. Of course, we still can. You can reserve others after the fact, um, and we would definitely appreciate any support for that. So, Mr. Charlie Mullins, I did not mean to call you out. If you had seen it, I would have been ecstatic. If you hadn't, it gave me a great chance to talk about it. So now yeah, that you're yeah, for sure. now that you're educated on it, I want you to tell me, and th- we should do this publicly. I want you to tell me how well or how poorly you think this would work as a beer label. Can you do that for me later on? Yeah. All right, I like it. We're we're an active, we're a social site. Let's happen it, right? Okay, so the Pinton happened this past weekend. I, I'm pretty sure you have at least heard about some of the results that happened. And when I was like, man, we're going to have Charlie Mullins on, I was like, you've been around racing GNCCs for a very long time. So when was your first John Pinton? Uh, I think my first John Pinton was 99 on an RM80. So I've been... Been at it for a while. His first jump, and I missed in a long time. So it's a tough one to, to miss a race like that due to injury. But uh, it doesn't happen too often. But you know, it's tough to sit back and watch it. But it is what it is. And uh, you know, it looked like a, a pretty uneventful race for Caleb. He, uh, you know, looked like he rode well, and the track looked pretty gnarly. So uh, you know, it was a good ride for him. Yeah. Um. Here's here's a random question. Hopefully, you can you can kind of clear this up for me. I noticed in the press release that uh, the GNCC guys put out, it said that he rode flag to flag or controlled the race from the flag to the flag, but technically Paul Wibley got the whole shot. So is that just like, I guess that's like first lap flag to last lap flag opposed to like green flag to checkered flag? Yeah, I would I would assume it's from checking in the scoring first lap to the last lap is how I, how I look at it. All right, I was confused, and I figured... A man of your stature could uh, could clear things up for me, and that's fine. I like I don't mind being ignorant. I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, I would agree. It did seem like Caleb did not have much uh, much of much of a challenge um, from any of the other competitors. There was it sounded like uh, we we had a lot going on. We were driving back from X Games, and I had <laughs> I had it on trying to do live uh, live stream in the car as we're driving up from Austin down to my parents' house. Uh, and it was like, uh, I'm trying to keep up with it. But it sounded like we had a pretty good battle there for the first couple spots. Uh, with uh, Chris Bach, we haven't really seen up in the front too often. Jordan Ashburn, who's been doing that a little bit more consistently. Um, uh, I thought everybody seemed like they rode well. Um, you know, first or second through sixth, it seemed like kind of a dogfight between everybody, just kind of going back and forth. And track, like I said, the track looked pretty pretty slick with all the rain they got that rain shower that came down so um you know it looked like a, a tough race i just kind of wish i was a part of it but now yeah, next year yeah no that's true um 
So Josh String, uh, one of the things that I noticed too is that he did have another bad start, came back from a great start. Um, and I was wondering, just from being a sideline racer at this point, if you had any thoughts on things that a racer like Josh Strang could do to try to get better starts, because obviously he's gotten a he's gotten a hole shot or two on that well Yamaha. Um, obviously Paul Wibley knows how to get those bikes to do starts like that. Is there anything that we think Josh Strang could do to to get up to the front quicker and attack Caleb Russell sooner uh, than try to come all the way from the back and just kind of like barely get on the podium? Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I think. This race, he put himself in a bad position off the start. He, he said he went down, you know, not too far off the start, and that's always a sucky way to, to start going down and kind of <clears throat> have to dig yourself out of out of a hole. And uh, at that pace that you know Caleb's running up front, you really can't make too much mistakes. You kind of have to get a good start and be spot on, and you really can't let him out of your sight. Otherwise. Uh, it's going to be really hard to, to make up that time, especially when you're, you know, 20, 30 seconds down from the first lap. So it, it's always critical to be up front, you know, minimize the mistakes on the start. Yeah. Okay, so say things go well for you. You know, this is – I'm trying to figure out how someone can get out front and really control the pace in these races because it seemed like you and uh, Caleb Russell did a fantastic job of that. But – if you are out front and you know Caleb Russell is trying is going to be trying to come up on you to try to pass you or or any other racer for that matter, is it is it a matter of trying to to create a lot of space between you guys to essentially control the pace of the race, or are you trying to get out in front of him and and almost block pass him like stay get him close enough to you where you can kind of tell what he's going to be doing to try to lead him that way. Uh, Again, coming from kind of a, you know, <laughs> I'm a 30A, not expert ever, <laughs> racer. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, you know, I, I obviously like to control the race and, and do what I can and ride my own pace up front. But, um, you know, with Caleb, he, he also likes to control the race. And, uh, you know, between both of us, it's just kind of one of those things, you know, a start's pretty critical. And I, I like to get it as good a start as I can and, just kind of lead the race as much as I can. But, uh, you know, usually after gas stops, when, when the real racing, you know, gets on, we drop the hammer and go. So, uh, it's just kind of being up there till the gas stop and, you know, hold on and get ready for the last three laps, which is usually pretty fast. So at that point, I'd like to be in control of the race and, you know, be out front and that way I can ride my own lines and, you know, just kind of have a, a clear track ahead. Right, I, w- I would. Uh, I guess part of me would love to be able to walk the track with you and essentially take a step back, not do it and, and try to ask you a bunch of questions, but to kind of just watch. And part of me would be really scared to do that because at the same time, I think I would learn too much, and I would kind of be like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, because I remember when I was doing that and trying to see all these lines as I was going through at Big Buck and everything. Like, I-, I couldn't imagine how fast you guys have to make those decisions on whether, you know, this little divot of a trail that's still within the 25 feet rule uh you know to the left one foot of this other little part trail could be you know what makes a pass or breaks a pass kind of a decision and that those kind of things are just crazy and especially at the speed y'all go i don't know how you do it but yeah i mean i i'm not a fan of walking the tracks i I really don't like to walk them just i don't know i like loretta's 
I don't. I think I just looked at the start, and that was it. And um, the last race that I did in West Virginia, I looked at the start, and you know, just kind of bounce around, just kind of mainly watch the quads. Uh, you know, we got three hours to to figure out the trail, and first lap is kind of a little bit slower pace. So I, I really don't stress too much on you know wanting to walk the track and find all these lines. It just kind of you've been. I've been doing it for so long. Uh, I kind of have the GNCCs where I know the tracks and you know usually know how the trail goes. So I, I really don't stress that much on walking the tracks anymore like I used to. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, then I'm just gonna stop doing it too. <laughs> and like the Enduros, they, the National Enduros actually did away with walking the tests. So that's kind of nice too. That kind of frees up the Saturday to just kind of hang out and just you know just take it easy. Yeah, a little less testing, a little, you know, a little less walking, and you guys yeah. can just, uh, you know, talk to more media guys, like, uh, and, and get us more, get us more stuff. <laughs> That's always fun. <laughs> and, uh, sorry to everybody in the chat room. I'm not too sure what's going on. I've noticed, I've had to refresh it manually, and I've seen other people talking about it as well. So, uh, sorry about that. That's obviously not the way that we want it to be working, but it is free, so we can't complain too much, because that's kind of what you get half the time. So, Definitely, you know, let's shift gears a little bit and, and talk of, uh, kind of about the injury. So, obviously, dislocated wrists, some torn tendons, some torn ligaments in there? Yeah, it's um, actually, I just found out my other wrist is broke, too. Uh, I broke my scaphoid in my other wrist. So, I got to get surgery on that Thursday. So, I'm going to have two casts here in a couple of days. So Well. Not too good. But um, that's not too good at all. I'm like, how do I respond to that and tweet out that at the same time? I was like, how do you do that? I don't know. That's such an interesting, uh, such an interesting debacle for me. But your debacle is much more worse. So let's go. Let's let's get into that. Okay. okay. Because you could have. Uh, what I want to say is that you had about four months recovery time when we learned about the dislocated wrist and the surgery and all the stuff that was going on with the original injury. So now you found out that there is another surgery that you're going to have to have. Is it more major or less major than what of the, the one you had to have on your right wrist? Um, it's kind of a big deal in the same way as my other wrist. Just, uh, you know, obviously this one's a break, but uh, talking to the doctor – uh, it looks like I get surgery Thursday. They're going to put a screw in it. And, um, you know, I'm still on schedule for the same amount of recovery time. I just got to, I think I'll be four weeks out <clears throat> with, um, that surgery and my dislocated wrist. Uh, I still, I'm two weeks in to a uh, eight week recovery. So, you know, I'm looking still on track for, you know, end of July, getting my cast off and starting rehab beginning of August and, uh, you know, just probably focusing that month of August, just kind of rehabbing the wrist and hopefully start riding beginning of September is, you know, the ideal plan if everything goes well. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately not knowing your, your history too well, is this your first kind of bout with, with all wrist injury or have you had to deal with wrist injuries before? Uh, this is actually, yeah, my first wrist injuries. Um, yeah, unfortunately wrist, multiples at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, talking to the doctor, um, you know, they did the surgery on my, my first wrist and they put three pins and two anchors to keep the, keep the ligaments stable. So, 
everything went well on that surgery. And um, like I said, I'm two weeks in on recovery on that and everything is going well. Um, then, uh, you know, after I got home, I was on some pain medicine and <clears throat> after I stopped taking that, my other wrist started kind of hurting and, uh, I thought I might've just sprained it or something. It just, it just kind of didn't feel right. But, uh, I just waited till I went back to the doctor for my checkup on my other wrist. And, uh, while I, while I was there, he just x-rayed it and sure enough, my scaphoids broke. So kind of, uh, I didn't want to believe it, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. So, you yeah. know, he, he's a good hand specialist. So, um, and you got to be thankful he found it now that it's not like you're, you're just a handful of weeks out of the first surgery. I mean, you're one and, and, uh, but it wasn't like two months had gone by and then he found it and it was, it had healed wrong or something crazy. Yeah. Cause then that could have been a rebreak yeah. with all the other crap that could go along with that. Right. I mean, yeah, no, I got, um, you know, I'm fortunate, you know, we, we found it early, so it's just kind of one of those things, just, just get it fixed and um, start the recovery and just kind of get ready to focus on rehab and um, just my main goal this year is try to be ready for six days is really really all I had to shoot for, so that's kind of what, what my main goal is, just get better for that. Yeah, and... um uh, it, it's cool that we've got the announcement in, uh, definitely when I was kind of talking about like, oh my gosh, they announced this team and Charlie Mullins just announced he's hurt. Like, I guess I, what I was trying to allude to was that if Charlie Mullins wasn't ready to go by six days, who would be a good replacement? And, and I worded that wrong. And that's my own fault uh, in the way that I did that. I didn't want to say, man, Charlie Mullins is totally not good because he hurt his wrist now, but you know, we've looked at, uh, we've had racers like Stuart Baylor have a wrist injury. Now, obviously, totally different injuries. And, and with the navicular like he had, it's vi- it can succumb to that kind of stuff easily, um, to, like, just dying. Um, so this is totally different scenario. But, I mean, it's, you know, he was all ready to go, and then, unfortunately, he had to back out and stuff like that. Do you know, if just because of the fact that you have an injury, is there already some form of a game plan like when you guys know you want to make a decision by uh, if you're healthy or not? Uh, honestly, no. Uh, I, I've talked to Auntie a little bit about it. And um, as of right now, we're kind of, I guess we'll cross that bridge once we get closer. Right. But, um, you know, that's still, that's November. So we, we got a lot of time. Uh, my main concern, though, is just, you know, if I start riding, you know, September middle of September or something like that. That really only gives me a month on the bike. And, uh, I guess I just kind of have to see how everything feels and, um, you know, hopefully everything heals well. So we'll just kind of go from there and just kind of evaluate as we get closer. Absolutely. Well, cool. Yeah. Not, not to be a downer on that kind of stuff, but I know, do know in the discussions we were having about what I had said right after we found out about your injury, there was a lot of talk and kind of like, when would we find out all that kind of information so uh did you did you pick a fun color for your cast or did they give you a blue or i got blue yeah what what any significance there just neutral just kind of keep it (laughs) it wouldn't be too bad but i got my thumb i can't move my thumb at all so that kind of can't really do much of anything but luckily it's just kind of to that elbow so i guess it's it sucks but 
I was able to go swim in the day. I got a waterproof cast. So oh, look at you! See, that's that's why you get paid the big bucks. I didn't get a waterproof cast. <laughs> um, so we don't need to get too personal. But one thing I could say that from past injuries, if you will, and things be, and my wife would sleep on the right side. And if I had a cast on the right side and I swatted her in the middle of the night, she got really upset, really <laughs> upset. So just in case your wife sleeps on the same side your cast is, I would just say probably switch for a while. It's just a precaution. It makes everybody's well, marriage that much happier. <laughs> I'm going to have two casts before long. So. Uh-oh, you're on the couch. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the couch. <laughs> Oh my gosh, we definitely won't want that. So we did have a question from the chat room, and I think this is a good question because we were just talking about walking the GNCCs, walking the test at some of the Nationals Enduros, um, and it did sound like you were a fan of walking the test at the National Enduros, and I would imagine it's because you're a fan of walking at the ISDE. So tell us how that differs, how walking a test at the ISDE differs versus walking, say, the entire track at a GNCC. Um. Well, GNCC, the difference between six days and, I guess, the GNCC, um, you have the special tests. You know, they're only, you know, maybe eight to twelve minutes long. So you got to be spot on. You got to know every corner, every line, and um, it's very critical. You know where you're going right right from the go. You got to go as hard as you can from the word go and yep. GNCC, you know, you got six, seven laps to kind of figure out the track. And like I said, the first lap usually just kind of, we ride at a fast pace, but we're just figuring out the track and we get faster as we learn the track. But, um, yeah, six days, you just gotta, you gotta know every corner and just you wide open and no mistakes. Right. Yeah. And, no, it, it, only, and it only takes, you know, 40 minutes to walk a special test too compared to a couple hours at a GNCC. Right. We were, I want to say it was Taylor Robert we were talking to last week that was telling us about how walking with Kirk Caselli, you know, he would come up to a turn and then stop and visualize all the turns up until that turn. And if he could remember all the turns, then he would go on to the next turn and then stop and do it again. Um, is that, did, what, so that was his process. What is kind of your take on going to these special tests at the ISDE, and how how do you best try to memorize them? Or is it a memorization, or is it a familiarization, or what's your take on it? Uh, well, Kurt, he was a, a unique guy on how how he did that, and you know he's pretty pretty amazing how he was able to memorize every turn, and you know he kind of shared his insight with me on know how he how he viewed the track and stuff like that and it's just really impressive what he was able to do but uh for me i just kind of tried to pick up the notes that he said you know take um you know walk some turns and you try to just close your eyes visualize those turns and you know go over a couple of times and once you kind of get that you just kind of move on kind of break the the test down in the sections i guess and just try to memorize every turn but it, it gets kind of really confusing after you walk you know 10 of them or so so it's kind of kind of hard to, to really for me to remember them all yeah no i i bet i have trouble remembering my middle name sometimes 
<laughs> and it's actually on my Texas driver's license. So yeah, <laughs> I uh, th- I think my first uh, adventure where I tried to memorize any kind of test like that, we were at the ISDE qualifier in uh, Boise or in Idaho City in 2012. And yeah, there's oh my god, that was ridiculous. Like I don't, it would take a lot of test walking and a lot of memorization practice just to even be able to then. You know, start to figure that kind of stuff out. So it's yeah, I remember the the off road like the enduro tests, but it's the grass tracks that get me. Huh. With the uh, the grass tracks, it's just you know just all grass, and it's just kind of hard to remember stuff in a field where you know in the enduro test you have you know this rock, you know after you pass this rock, you know you got a couple turns coming up, which way they go, and a drop off and just easier for me to remember a trail like that instead of a grass track. Right. And and when we were in Germany, too, it seemed like a lot of the grass tracks, they were opposed to, like, really straight 90-degree turn, really straight 90. It was much more flowy. So it, your turns wouldn't – I wouldn't say that they all felt or were the same because of the fact that they were just so – I mean, they looked – you guys looked awesome riding them. Don't get me wrong. But memorizing like, oh, it's kind of a 36-degree turn into then like a 48-degree turn. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, Germany was tough. There was a lot of them cornfields and just fields that were really hard to remember. But, you know, there was some good tests, too, that I really enjoyed riding. Very cool. Well, uh, as we kind of kind of wrap it up here and let you uh, get back to knowing that you're going to have second surgery, um, kind of – you know what else do you get to do? Do you are you watching movies? Are you playing video games? I mean, are you gonna start training people online for the next four months? Because <laughs> well, I do, I do need a trainer. I can't even move my thumb, so I can't even play like math skills or anything. <laughs> I know. Is that gonna be the case with your left hand too? Yeah, they gotta um, cast the thumb too. So I, I definitely, but um, I don't know. I'm a pretty busy. I, I really have a hard time just kind of sitting still. I actually. Um, decided to start running. I guess that's really the only thing I can do is uh, just run. So, but that'll I'll kind of after this next surgery, I'll need a a week or so to recover from that. Then once I get my hard cast, I should uh, be good to go. But I don't know, just kind of stay busy. We're actually building, getting ready to move into our new house first uh, of July. So, going to be busy with that, getting everything moved out. So. Uh, you know, then just kind of busy work, just kind of hanging out with the wife and uh, following her along now. Yeah, uh, well, that's okay. You get to hang out with little man too, right? Yeah. He doesn't. Yeah, he, uh, he doesn't yeah. have to go to like daycare or anything and like not be with you now that you're home, right? Yeah. You're like, but, uh, I can't use my thumbs and hold you, but I can look at you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it's like I want to be the best dad ever, but I can't hold you. I do. Yeah, no, I know. I, I'm dreading the double cast thing. It's, I won't be able to drive. I won't be able to do anything. You know what you should try to do is like is is see on YouTube if anybody's got any kind of videos on how to learn how to start doing stuff with your feet. You yeah. could like try to pick up like foot art or something and sell it. <laughs> It'd be like a rehab fund. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be pretty cool. Well, I know you're a creative guy. You'll you'll figure it out. And, again, you need to go in a very public location. Tell us how much you don't like or do like or think we did a good job. Maybe we did a bad job. 
on our shirt that we have for sale for the next nine days, and it's teespring.com slash time. Was that the best plug ever or what? Awesome. You'd think I'm getting pretty good at this, wouldn't you? <laughs> all right, well, people out there who maybe aren't following you, where can they kind of keep up with you on Twitter and all the other social bits so that way they can uh, heal, hear more about what's going on with your cast and your surgeries and your healing up and then you're starting to ride again? Uh, I guess mainly just Instagram, just cmullins112, then uh, Twitter is cmully112. So. Then, uh, yeah, I actually, now that I'm not riding... I got my 125. I think I'm going to sell this. So if anybody wants a pretty sweet 125, hit me up. Oh, my God. If I could get to North Carolina, I would be there this weekend to ride it before you sell it because that would be – I don't know if I could do that suspension justice, though. Like, you like you would probably have to ride that, that bike so fast to get that, that suspension to, like, be awesome, right? Or is that cone valving just even good for guys that go five miles per hour like myself? Uh, it's awesome stuff. I mean – Ride it slow or fast, it works good, but the faster you go, the better it works. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so scary. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'd like somebody to get some joy out of it since I, I won't be able to enjoy it this summer, so, you know, like somebody to enjoy it. Oh, my gosh. I hear that, dude. Well, hey, we really appreciate it. Sorry we couldn't catch up last week, but I know I did not want to pester you and anything like that too much because I knew that you're in a crazy predicament. Um, super, super sad to hear that you're getting another surgery, but also at the same time, lucky that it's not adding to, um, you know, any of that recovery time. So get better, have fun yeah. out there, and uh, tell us when you sell that 125 and who you sell it to, and hopefully it comes through Texas. All right, sounds good. Thanks again for having me. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Heal up. All right, have a good one. <laughs> Later. Awesome. So it's super cool to talk to Mr. Charlie Mullins. That guy's just a great guy, and it sucks that he's in the predicament that he's in. Um, especially with uh, another pending surgery, unfortunately. That's never good. So I did want to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, another sponsor that's coming on board to help out with Sea Time. So, Stephen, give me a second here on this one before we call or uh, anything goes here. So uh, you guys know that we took part in a lot of the KR4 Arrive and Ride performance. And a good friend of ours, Eric Kudla, came on recently and was talking about his upcoming um, Arrive and Ride performance. Well, it just happened, and he had a ton of fun. They even had giggles at my expense uh, while they were out there apparently I don't even know what that has to deal with but apparently they had fun um, they also had great finishes this past weekend with Nick Davis uh, finishing second in the XC2 class the pictures that Brehub has are epic so definitely those are probably going to be on offroadviking.com should totally check those out um, and then of course uh, his brother got really good got second in the 65 class this past weekend um, there were actually some guys that did the arrive and ride adventure that Steven and I took part in um, in Florida. Well, they're coming back for snowshoe. They had so much fun. They're coming back. So, I mean, I wanted you guys to know that this Arrive and Ride program is awesome. And I, I almost think 80% of the good time you're going to have is the people involved. Um, if you have never been to a GNCC or a National Enduro, I encourage you to go check them out. KR4Performance.com or you can get their website or their number off the website and give them a call. Um, it's definitely definitely worth your time to at least look into it if you have any inkling that this is a good idea go check it out because it is a good idea so we're going to go ahead and get colton haker brought up let's go ahead and get there um, of course we've got other fantastic sponsors like fly racing so flyracing.com you can go check them out at their website uh the kinetic gear is colton haker is a fly sponsored rider so we're going to be able to talk to him a little bit about that and uh still well performance you can check them out um the 
So, oh my gosh, what's going on with my suspension? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. Well, the guy, Alan Stillwell, who is, you know, the manager of the beta team, which Cody Webb and Max Gerson are on. Cody Webb second this past weekend on his beta at the, woo! <laughs> Switch the picture quick! Switch the picture quick! <laughs> awesome! That is the that- best fly racing ad we've had on the show yet! Woo-hoo! <laughs> I was just riding, so. Yeah, you're like, dude, check out my Alpine Star shirt. Oh, and my helmet. What up? Yeah. <laughs> Colton Hager bringing it in hot. I like it, man. I like it. That's the way to do it. So, dude, obviously, you know, you've been riding. It looks like all the chicks have been digging on your swag. How's your steez feeling? Oh, I'm all right. You know, uh, hang on. <laughs> I, I just, I just got off the bike. Since uh, since X Games just to take this call, so good man, yeah, good man. I haven't had much time for the the girls or anything, you know. Oh, I hear that. You just just pass them later, ladies. Later. <laughs> yeah, no, all right. Just uh, you know, trying to have a good time over here and ride my dirt bike. Awesome, yeah. Well, you definitely rode your dirt bike well this past weekend. So for those of you who don't know, and if you don't, if you're watching the show and you don't know, I feel sorry for you because X Games just totally kicked Texas's ass. We had so much fun down there in Austin. Um, the after party was even more fun. I don't know if you guys noticed the the pre picture for this episode is a picture of me with Jolene von Hoyt, just you know getting all not sober and uh, having a good time. But I wanted to know you've been to quite a few different X Games. Um, and it, around the world and in LA, and this is a new venue, and it's going to be there for two more years. So, of all the X Games you've been to, kind of tell us about your Austin experience and how it may have compared to what you've been to in the past. Uh, well, the major part is the amount of people that were actually in attendance um, for each event was huge. Um, I saw pictures. Well, our event there was like the whole grandstands was full, which was about ten thousand people worth. And then, uh, and then, like, if you saw, like, Skate, Half Pipe, and, like, Skate Big Air, and BMX Big Air, like, literally, like, the whole area was completely crowded and packed, and people were just, you know, it looked like they were having a great time and partying and, and, uh, really enjoying the fact that it was, you know, in Texas. And so I think that was, like, the biggest thing. Um, the next biggest thing was probably the track was, you know, big. You know, we had a lot of room and, uh, it was fun, you know, they made quite a bit of like jumps and stuff. And I guess that's what ESPN had told, uh, Pernard <clears throat> was like, Hey, we want it to be, you know, fast and, and jumpy and we don't want people really getting stuck so much, I guess. But, um, there were still challenging parts out there and, uh, it provided enough entertainment that, you know, there was lead changes and people, you know, dicing and, and going down and all that within the first few laps. So yeah, man, there were definitely some lead changes. Because <laughs> we saw, I mean, yeah, I I think before we totally dig into that kind of stuff, I want to know, we were talking about the track. I was, when I first walked up, I kind of went to the grandstand, the one you're talking about that was full of people, and I was like, oh, this is a great view. People are going to have a fantastic view of this, and, and not just for uh, Enduro X, but for all the Moto X stuff. There's all the step-ups going to go on there, the speed and style, the uh, the whip competition, which I still don't get, but hey, it looks cool. Um, but I was like, man, this track looks fast. I was like, I don't, and I couldn't tell. I couldn't, I didn't know. I was like, is this good fast, bad fast? Is 
what so I mean, what were some of the initial thoughts between not just yourself but some of the other guys when you guys were initially walking the track and kind of really taking it in for the first time in person? Yeah, I walked it with a couple different people. It's funny because you know you walk it with like like Taylor, and then like we're both pretty like pumped, you know, on like the jumps and stuff and like the speed. And then you watch it, you walk it with, like Jeff Aaron. They're like, he's like, oh, it's a super cross track, you know. It's just like perceptions of what people uh, see in Cross as it as it kind of playing out how it looks. Um, and so, <clears throat> I mean, my personal preference was. It was cool that we could like, you know, get some air, scrub some some tires, scrub some jumps, be aggressive. Um, and I like the fact that it was it was pretty much raceable. Uh, a lot of the endurocross stuff is so tight that uh, you know you can't just charge a section harder than somebody else to make a pass. You have to like kind of follow the leader and stick to your line, and and he who makes the least amount of mistakes and doesn't go down kind of has their way at the front. Um, but this one was more like. Hey, if you got the if you got the balls, you have the speed, you have the, you know, what it takes to, to pass this person through the firewood section because you charge it harder or whatever, and I think that's what kind of provided. Yeah, let's talk about balls for a second, because <laughs> I I could see how Chrome and mainly yours were um, <laughs> when you were when you were doubling out of the water pit, and it was like, I would say for for you guys, professional dirt bike racers, in reality. Probably not the biggest jump you've ever hit, but you're just coming out of a water pit that has a log in the middle of it. It's got water, and two, you definitely cannot see the landing. And most of you guys were coming out of that penciled, or at least it looked like you were. So what did that feel like? What did it take to man up to that? Because that shit was awesome. It was yeah, cool to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, like first practice, that's, that's another thing. You know, I think people, when they look at Endurocross from, from retrospect, like they're outside looking in, you know, they don't see, they don't see every Endurocross round. Like they don't go to all the rounds like we do. They don't see every single round, but they'll watch an X games event and they're going to tune in and they're going to go, what, you know, what is this? You know, they're riding, what, what they're riding over rocks and they're riding through water and they're hitting this jump out of the water. Like, what is that? You know, I think people visually can see like, Oh man, this is, this is cool. This is gnarly. Right. Whereas I think maybe if we're going two miles an hour through a through a rock pile and everyone's looking like squid squirrels and and gooning out and just like pushing their bike, I think people visually when they tune in, they're gonna go, "How's this X Games? Like, who who are these guys? Like, right. I could do that, you know? It doesn't it just doesn't generate over as easily, I don't think, is is when people look at it and they go, you know, oh man, these guys suck, you know? Bring James Stewart out there, he'll he'll smoke them, you know? Well, it's like we do this all the time, but it is really hard, but you can't really see that on television. So yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I think the water jump coming out, you know, like it wasn't the biggest jump and most of the camera angles were like above looking down the track, which also takes away from the height of the obstacles and or the, uh, the height at which we're jumping. So I think, you know, that kind of took away, but it was cool. They had those, those cams running all the way through the track. And, uh, I think it turned out well on television. You know, I've watched, I watched the race like 150 times since the since the event. So, yeah. And, and I bet I bet the the spot where you wanted to cook yourself in the junk the most was when you waited for Taddy when he got hung up with Hollis, opposed to go around Taddy and Hollis on the outside just to see, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've gone through all the shit of what it kind of. Oh yeah, who doesn't? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. 
Um, it's interesting because that one, the the jump we were talking about about coming out of the water pit. I kind of I watched uh, as well that event quite a few times over. Um, and we'll talk about how the the battle between you and Taddy. But once once you had kind of once you had trouble in that turn and Cody got by you and then Taddy fell and Cody was able to catch up. Um, I was like, Cody needs to jump that jump. Cody, that was that he was catching up Taddy every spot, but the the two seconds he needed to find a way to get in to pass him was that jump that, that he would lose that one second every time, and he'd only try to make it back up. And it was the, that that was it. That was the deciding factor for Cody, I think, on why he wasn't really able to completely challenge uh, Taddy for a win there at the very end. Um, but yeah, uh, as you said. Shoulda, woulda, couldas, they're all over the place, that kind of stuff. So, um, I actually didn't jump the water like a number of times behind Taddy. And okay, that, a, that's great. Yeah. Why, just, why is that? Tell us why that comes into play because I think that's got to be pretty gnarly for you to be like, if I make this, it's time, but I can't make it. So, when do you make that decision? It, well, when you, when you watch him, like, He's right in front of me, and you're watching him, like, case into the fireway. He gets squirrely, feet are flailing, and then he jumps into the water, and he squirrels over that and cases it in front of me, and then he goes a lot, and he just pins it at the last second, and then he cases the, the double out of the water. It's like, case, 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 and I'm looking behind him going, dude, this guy's going to crash. There's no way he's going to keep this upright. Like, he's cased every jump in front of me. I'm like, God, dude. And so... Yeah, that's why that was kind of deciding factor why I didn't jump it from lap to lap. If I was clean by myself in my heat race, I jumped it pretty much every time when I was by myself and no one was ahead of me um, until I got to some lappers. But basically, yeah, I mean, that if I was falling too close and he had cased a few jumps or whatever, then I didn't jump it, but I would be right there right next to him. Oh, yeah. Because it was after, you know, I just I just turned throttle and get right back on him. But, um, yeah. <laughs> no, I've got some really cool pictures. I was, I was, what I was disappointed about is that, is it was so hard for me because as a, having a media pass, though I was very much appreciative for it, was, it was, was almost pointless because you got stuck in this media corral, um, that I could only, I could literally only see up maybe a quarter, a fifth of the course. Like, because they had those two big hills. I mean, granted, I had a nice lens of 770 to 200. Like, I could get far, but I would just get into two big mounds that I couldn't see past the track. And for the amount of time it would take me to leave that corral, run behind the grandstand, get up to the grandstand, and then get another shot, you guys would have had four or five laps down. Um, That was what was frustrating for me. But where I was at in the media corral, I was able to get really cool, aggressive shots of you and Taddy um, coming over so you guys jump the finish line, and then you kind of come up the two little the the big hill, and he you were like cresting it, and you could just start to see your dirt coming out the back the top of it, and he just was off the top of the tip, and you could see his dirt. Oh, dude, that was so epic! Like I was like, holy shit, he's gonna get him! It was that racing was so intense. I loved watching that, and I really wanted that to happen for you. I wanted because you made that one pass on the inside going into the first rock turn, the 180, and I have a picture of it where you made the pass, but he was able to just kind of rocket past you in that open spot, and then that's where you guys started to kind of get into Hollis. But uh, man, I was rooting for you. That shit was intense Thanks. and awesome because you've only Thanks. you've only got one Enduro Cross win. Is that correct? Only one. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super pumped on that. Well, I mean it, but. 
you got a great team. Obviously, I got to hang out with your mechanic. We might have had a shot of vodka or multiple. I don't know. Um, and uh, I, I think you've got to be pretty super pumped on the team, though, too, because I got to talk to Johnny and everything. He was telling me about the bike and stuff like that. Like, I, it sounds like you guys really have a great program, and that I mean that you got to be super pumped on, right? Yeah, no, I definitely wouldn't be where I am at this point in time without uh, Johnny and Eric and having that backing, you know. And uh, now I have hard for the last two years, and that's been like a big difference for me. Um, I'm like a moto and trials guy, but once I had a track in the backyard, I could really work on like my enduro cross strengths and what I needed to do. So. Um, yeah, all those three things, you know, major things coming together, um, really provided a difference between 2012, 2011 for me, which, which I was completely by myself on my own deal, my own team, drive myself, by myself. I'd like get my buddy to go with me to the race and thank God for him that he would go to every race and love being there and drinking beer while I was trying to, to, you know, get on podium. <laughs> he was just pumped. Yeah. He was just amped on it, you know? And, uh, no, it's definitely a big difference between, that and now and and I think everyone sees that now with my consistent results and you know I'm always up front and I'm always pushing for the front so yeah and you got second in Vegas this year so obviously you know second and fourth and completely you know competing for first I mean you were you were there you you were up yeah. there with Taddy going for first so it seems like what you know that that building of the program and what you've put together even before then has really started to culminate into what can be a fantastic year. Um, so, what are the little things then that you think that do you do you change anything or is everything really kind of where you think it needs to be and it's all working towards another win and then more wins and stuff like that? Yeah, well, I mean, it gets hard, you know. I mean, you get down on yourself. Or, you know, I was frustrated for sure with the weekend. You know, not even getting a medal after like battling for the lead, which I felt like clearly I was the fastest guy. So that's it. It's just a bit of a bummer for me to not even get a medal, which was really frustrating, you know. And it is a big deal. It's prestigious, you know, to get medals and, and be up there. And, you know, everyone sees that. Everyone sees the results. They don't really care besides that. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, as far as the rest of the season goes, you know, well, I get off from, from that weekend and, or from this past weekend, and then I, you know, I, I want to, like, charge super hard, you know, got Sacramento in two weeks, and I kind of just let this one go, so I'm over here, you know, riding as hard as I can, and training, and doing everything in my power to, to not let it happen again, right, you get those mental games going, because you're like, oh, I let it slip, you know, but then you come back home, and you're like, oh, I gotta, you know, get back in the program, and, and do what I need to do, and all of that happen again, and those are just little moments you know, there's only little moments on the in the race, right? It's a 10-minute, 12-minute race. So although if you have to capitalize on those little moments, especially to be there in the championship at the end, I feel. Um, and not all those moments slip. You know, I feel like all the races that I've done really well at, I didn't crash. So right. staying on two wheels is definitely important. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would totally agree. Um, I wanted to know, I did a little bit of research, and I've – because of the fact that I've kind of been following Durocross for a long time, having raced at Guthrie actually a couple times and watched you race at Guthrie a couple times, um, I knew that I had heard and seen your name in the ranks for quite a long time. And I could actually find, and then going and checking the results, I thought it was 2008, but I found you in 2007. You were actually in the results and you were placing uh, with the top 10 Durocross guys. 
Yeah. How did you? What? Where is? What is your background like? Because yeah. were you a trials rider? Did you do big bikes or anything like that? I think that that's an interesting story. Like, what got you into doing in you know these in, these random enduro cross events that then turned into a series? Oh uh, yeah. Um, well, you know, I started off riding a regular dirt bike just with my dad. He was an ISD gold medalist, um, and in the '80s, like right before I was born, and then he had like a a gnarly back injury, and like then he had you know my parents had me, and then he became you know like just ride for, you know, for fun with his buddies. He's part of a club. So, you know, they take me out and I go riding just like regular and uh, go trail riding with them in all these different places. And that's really what I experienced growing up was trail riding. And then uh, like any kid, I wanted to race motocross. So I started racing some motocross, you know, mainly riding on the weekends and stuff doing that. And then, um, yeah, it's my dogs, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, you know, I just started racing motocross and all that. And uh, so until about, I don't know, 125, and I got like my fifth or sixth concussion. I don't remember part of the concussion, if you don't remember stuff. So, yeah, I, uh, I got too many concussions, and my parents were like, you're done. You know, like, we're not, you're not letting it ride anymore. You're, that's it. And I was like 15 at a time, like, you know, high school or whatever. So it took like a year off from riding, didn't ride for like a year, and then um, got a trials bike. And, um, Started riding trials, and uh, Cody Webb and I rode together, like, all the time. Probably, like, I don't know. Like, I had a, well, I had opened up a riding spot that was, like, right central between Cody and I's houses. So, we we meet after school, and when I was, like, a junior and senior, and we go meet and ride trials all the time. And I had just started, and he was already a pro trials rider. So, I learned a lot, you know, watching Cody and riding with Cody a lot growing up. Well, I mean, like... I was 16, 17. I rode the Nationals, Trials Nationals. That's what I really wanted to do. I really wanted to ride, you know, trials and be really good. You know, that's what I was passionate about for a long time. And then uh, EnduroCross 2007 came out to the three-round series or whatever. And I was just on a road trip with uh, with a couple buddies. And then we ended up hooking up with Jeff Barron and getting a ride out to Oklahoma and staying out there and uh, raced the Guthrie 1 2007 on a trials bike. So that's really how I got into EnduroCross was I was on a trials bike and somebody else, Nick Manzoras, had ridden a trials event like the year before, I think, and like made the main from driving his car to the event and then like unloading his trials bike. And it was like a huge story. Like, oh my God, this little guy on a trials bike, you know, made the main event. He rode all the day qualifiers the day before and everything went all the way to the LCQ. And, and so, I mean, that really inspired like or intrigued, you know, like myself and uh, Cody. And, you know, a lot of the trials guys to really get into it. So, like, in 2007, in Vegas, was the final round or whatever when Taddy raced his first race on for Factory KTM, and Dave and I was going for a 50 grand, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. So that was, that was like, you know, I was there on trials bike, and Cody was there on trials bike. And, um, yeah, I mean, we both, we all went out. I had the fastest hot lap of the, of that thing, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, just started like that. And then basically because of me and Cody riding trials bikes, they pretty much banned it, you know, the next year because we were really fast. We just weren't up front in the beginning, you know? Yep. So they pretty much banned it because of us, and we were, you know, rallying pretty hard. And uh, so then I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to not race in Duracross. This seems awesome. I want to get involved. So I had, like, a regular job, and I bought my own KTM. 
and uh, just a 252 stroke and went to the first round and, uh, you know, rode well. I got fourth, I think. And then um, that was 2008. And then the next race, um, I was sponsored by Lucas Oil and they paid for my travel to the events so I could fly. And the Endurocross crew took my bike on the semi to all the events in 2008. And, uh, and yeah, from there, just, you know, kept going, you know, I just stuck with it. You know, I had, I had a podium that year and I had some success on the dirt bike. And then, you know, next year I had a couple more podiums and then, yeah, I've just snowballed since then, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's really kind of neat. I I didn't know the early backstory. I I didn't know about the fact that you kind of had been, you know, uh, an early on a, a teen, uh, you know, a little tween on a dirt bike if you will and that 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 actually was what morphed into trials riding. I thought that there had been some trials riding in your background, but I didn't realize that but even before that that you kind of yeah, were doing trials, motocross like, route. Specifically road trials for like maybe 2 years from from when I was about like 15 and a half to 17 and a half. Like I raced, I raced Endurocross when I was 17 in 2007. And then the next year I was 18 and bought my own dirt bike or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, so then, yeah, I mean, that's the only road trials for a few years, like directly trials. Now I ride trials mixed in with all my training all the time. You know, Jeff Aaron and I ride trials together all the time, um, outside my house in Southern California. And then, uh, like today we rode moto and tomorrow we're riding Endurocross. So, that's super you gotta, cool. You mix them all now. You gotta ride trials. You gotta ride moto. You gotta ride it all. You know, and just be yeah. rounded. What about uh the extreme enduros, like a like a last dog standing, and some of these kind of you know little little the TKO these events that we're starting to see pop up in the states, uh you know events like that. What about them? I mean, I've I've been trying. I haven't had a chance to look around. Honestly, have you have you had much experience with those in the past? How have you done at them? Do you plan on doing more of them? Yeah, um, well, I did King of Motos this year, okay. and I, fi- I finished third on time, but I was disqualified for missing a check in the first loop, which was an easy loop, oh. and uh, so I rode good or whatever, and I rode 250F Honda for that event, and then last year, I rode Last Dog Standing, and then two years previous, I rode both TKOs on my own deal, Um both TKOs. Well, the first one I crashed out. Second one, I got like heat exhaustion or whatever. Had to get an IV. And then last dog standing last year, my clutch burnt out on my 450 Honda. So uh, I haven't had too much success now. <laughs> right. All right. Well, you know uh, that I'm going to be at uh, TKO this year. Yeah, I hope I can go. Um, I mean, I I don't have any thoughts yeah. that I'm going to compete with you. No, you're not um, going to compete. Oh. But I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely uh, be out there on the amateur program and then taking pictures of you guys being awesome. Maybe some video and we'll see what happens on that Sunday. Uh, well, that's cool, man. The TKO should I think that's to be fun. I think that would be an event with obviously with less mechanicals that you would actually do really well at. Well, yeah, I mean it's a demanding race, you know. I mean it's it's what is it, July or August? Yeah, August, yeah. It's gonna be humid. See. <laughs> So yeah, no reason I I got heat shirt or whatever that year, and uh, yeah, no, it's it's hot and muggy, and if it rains, I'm sure it's like the slipperiest thing in the world. I've ridden some trials there, so I'm sure uh, I'm sure it's really slippery. And then um, yeah, as far as like racing more extreme enduros, like maybe like Erzberg, I know like you know Taylor and Cody, Redman, Finger Thunder all went to 
Erzberg the week before X Games. Um, but pretty much for all of them, you know, they ride like European based motorcycles, not Japanese motorcycles. So I feel like it's a bit easier to get a motorcycle over there that's like uh, rideable, right? Yeah. And then like, that makes sense. Like, so it makes it difficult if you ride a Jap bike to race those races. I mean, you're not going to have any support. You know, you're not going to have like, I mean, obviously. Cody went there with Beta, you know, and they have a, a team or whatever, and they supply, you know, stuff or whatever. And then Ta- Taylor went with K- Factory KTM, so he's like, you know, under the semi or whatever. And well, Kyle went on a Christini, so he was screwed from the get go. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, oh. he, no, Christini is a good bike, but they need to like prep it at home and then like send it there. You can't like yeah. bar. Seen it's been in Europe for three years that people have been thrashing like you know no, you can't do yeah. that you know but um so I mean I I definitely have interest to do those things but the amount of you know the amount of effort and uh, dollar amount involved in putting my own self there you know like I have to spend X amount of dollars I have to train you know for it and then I have, like the amount of time and effort to put into it almost it's like it's, it's almost inevitable like it's almost inevitable that something's going to not go right right, right. i mean it's, just, it's very hard to de- to defeat all the odds against you and send and get like a honda out there and then getting it all set up and it's just it's just really difficult to do all that yeah, yeah. Uh, i think it was uh and and when we had taylor on last week one of the things he mentioned too is that johnny walker had been there the whole week before you know essentially play riding yeah. around the, the 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 iron giant so you know, it's like there's that too. Like those guys co- can essentially live there fairly cheaply. You know, yeah. where we, for somebody like ourselves to go over there is expensive. One, to go over there and then hang out for an entire week is like, it's you sell an un, you know, sell an unborn child kind of shit. Like yeah. it's a yeah, ridiculous. I, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I can't not- sell my born children because my wife will kill me, but I can sell a few unborn ones. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, so we have a bet in the chat room, and this is odd. I didn't really see too much of this going on, but maybe uh, well, the dogs were were fitting and stuff. It might have drawn some attention, but they noticed that there was somebody sitting on the couch back there. And there's actually a bet in the chat room for five dollars, mind you, if it's a guy <laughs> or a girl. Oh yeah. And so we need you to tell us the uh, the, gen- the gender. It's a he she. So yeah, I know. Nobody knew that you're into all of it. Yeah, he, she, everyone wins, you know. So that's, no. <laughs> that's how it works in Cali, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's my girlfriend, Hannah. So it's a it's a lady. It's a woman, yes. So is what's it, the is it Hannah? Is it Hannah Loveday? Hannah Loveday, yes. <laughs> all right, so Kudla is correct. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Do you know Ryan Kudla? Think so. Okay. Well, yeah, he's the one who was like, ah, he's like, I bet it's Hannah Loveday. And I'm like, I'm not going to lie. When I first saw him write Hannah Loveday in there, I was like, that's the most not real name ever. Right? That's the best last name. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's totally making that up. There's no way. I was like, or it's a stage name. I'm not going to say for what, but, right. you know. We all know. We all know. We all know. <laughs> Bill's got to get paid, bro. Bill's got to get paid. <laughs> All right, so besides Sacramento coming up on the 21st, you know, what other kind of stuff should we be looking forward to you? Are you going to do Last Dog Standing coming up? You're going to be doing Sacramento, then what else? 
Yeah, last dog standing this Saturday. And then uh, there's a local enduro cross in Sacramento on Thursday night before the, you know, AMA enduro cross race. Oh, cool. Okay. So I think, like, I'm pretty sure everyone will be there, you know. Maybe not, like, Taddy, but uh, probably everyone else. He's highbrow. Yeah, he's X Games gold medalist. He won't so. come on the show. You know that, right? No. He's from, yeah, no. I wouldn't expect him to. <laughs> You you probably freaked him out with your mustache or something. He would have too much fun, and nobody likes too much fun. <laughs> no. Yeah, and then what what else is going? And then so then so you got so they're going to have a Thursday before the other enduro cross. You guys are going to be out there and doing a locals only racing for five hundred bucks on the line. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like a ten thousand purse or something like that. So whoa, or seventy five hundred or somewhere around there. I mean, either way, it's like on the way to the event so you might as well you know try to double up on uh on your winnings i hear that weekend show up a day day or two early no big deal so uh yeah that and then um what do we got we got july next yeah i mean july already we're already more than halfway through the year it's pretty insane it's pretty insane Uh, (laughs) i know how that how that happens but all right, so we're in July. I don't think anything's going on. I'm going to, uh, what is it? The Rip to, Rip to the Tip or something? Rip to Cabo? Oh, down in ba- outside of Baja or something like that? Yeah, I do a couple of them with Cameron Steele and then uh, the JCR guys. I forgot the name of this one, but basically, yeah, we're going to go to Mexico and um, it's for charity purposes and raise money. And uh, yeah, I go right down there for, uh, for that. So that should be pretty fun. And then, uh, what else? There, there's some Idaho Enduro Cross races every year in Coeur d'Alene. Um, that'll be July 25th, 26th. And that's, that's a really cool weekend. Like, if you could go to a race, Brian, well, you live in Texas, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit far for it's you. A, it's a 32 hour drive. 32 hour, but Coeur d'Alene is like one of the coolest places to go in the summer with the lake there and it's, it's really awesome. And then the, the race is a two day deal. So we have Friday night races and Saturday night races and they pack like, they pack the stadium and we race like four main events a night. We may do like 10 or 12 races by the weekends over of enduro cross races. Wow. And, and then like the city downtown, I have some buddies that have lived there. So I'll stay at his house. But then like the city downtown, like all the enduro cross guys go out. We all, you know, get some drinks, have a good time and, you know, and then stay up late and then get up, you know, midday next day and race the next day and then do it all over again, you know, and there's no different, you know, than, than X Games, you know, it's pretty similar to that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know, like, we're not, we're not motocross, supercross guys, so, we, you know, we like to have a good time and we're all friends, so it's all good. Yeah, it's like 90s, 90s supercross and motocross all over again, but it's, right, called, yeah. it's called endurocross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we're serious, but... We can have a good time. I hear that. Well, cool, man. It sounds like you've got a lot of a lot of good racing coming up, um, and hopefully it'll keep uh, keep the perspective of getting that first place. And when you're up there, you can be like, "See, Tom, bitches." <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna thank Lucas Oil. Ah, okay. You know, I'll give. I'll g- <laughs> you're not gonna hurt my feelings. I understand. They're, they're paying. They're paying the bills. I just pay the. I, I just bring bring humor to the situation. 
Oh, it's cool. It's awesome to have this show and stuff. I'm happy I finally could get on it. I know two years ago after I won my the first race I won, the only race I won, uh, after Vegas, you asked me to come on or whatever, and I, I think I dogged you because I said I'd do it, and then I completely faded on the deal and uh, forgot about it, and then I left you hanging. So it's yep. cool to be here two years later. It's funny because that was literally the last text that you and I had ever had together. Opposed so before, the, yeah, because when I went to my phone and pulled up Colton Haker, it was sorry I was out riding trials and forgot what time it was or something like that. Like, yeah. So, yeah. thanks. Uh, I think what happened here's here's what I think would happen is that you realized that I'm actually a fun person that Friday night when we went out and had drinks, and you were like, I'm okay with that guy. I'm gonna well, think, I'm gonna hang out was- with him virtually. Let's be honest. You probably, you probably after that were like, next two years were like, oh, that Colton Hager, that guy. Have you seen his interviews? I guess. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I try, I, I try not to make presumptions. We did, uh, we had a good conversation in Vegas too. Uh, not this, not this latest Vegas, but the November Vegas, where both yeah. of us were like, I know what you're saying, bro. I know. <laughs> <laughs> It was very in depth. We shared very a lot of things of life. I don't know. It was a yes. good time. But for those of you who are wondering, what do X Games athletes do after the night that their competition's over and they don't have to compete the next day or the rest of the weekend? They go to places that have secret clubs. We, and we get our shirts ripped off. <laughs> yeah, and we get our shirts ripped off. So I'm not going to give away everything because there still needs to be some, some some secrecy to this evening. But we 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 were told to go to this club, and we were like, okay, so we're asking around everybody, where is this place? Nobody knows where this place is. We're never told that it's a secret club. So we walk up to the place where they said the address was, and I'm walking by, and I say the name. I was like, I don't know. This is where they said blah, blah, blah was. And the person at the door goes, oh, blah, 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 secret door. She points in and just says secret door, and I turned around. Literally, I turned around, and I go, did you just tell me secret door? She says, yeah. I was like, no one's ever said that to me to me before. And she looked at me like I was just like the biggest idiot, and I was like, no, really. I don't know what to do in this situation. Like, I was so lost. But, yeah, there was a secret door, and that's how we got into this little after party that where they had a big sign that said swallow on the wall. <laughs> and I was like, shit's going to get weird in this place. Shit's gonna get weird. <laughs> Especially since there was like probably like a twenty person occupancy limit in that little spot and there was like three hundred of us crammed in there. Yeah. So, uh, but then we left and then we went to the next bar or whatever and yeah. Yeah. If if anybody gets a chance to hang out with Jolene von Hoyt and she has a beer bong, don't don't pay for anything because she will she told me, I asked her, I was like, can I talk about this? She's like, yes. I was like, how big was your tab when you left that bar? She got over $500. She spent over $500 feeding people at this bar beer bongs. She loved every minute of it. No, she loved it. She had, yeah, she probably, I don't even know if she was drinking that night. I think she just was drunk. I think of her being like, oh yeah, here's some more for you. Here's some more for you. But then I didn't see one for her. I know. So. I'm pretty sure she just gets high on life in that sense, where it's like, I, I'm having so much fun getting these people fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Look at uh, these crazy bastards. It was a good time. Well, no, 
I'm glad you got to come on the show. I had a great time doing it. It sucks that it's never happened before, but it's happened now, and obviously we're going to have to have it happen again. So thank you for being so uh, much fun to hang out with Friday night and for chatting with me when we got a chance to talk at X Games. It was very, very, uh, very, very nice of you. Thanks. Yeah, it's good meeting you as well. And uh, I just wanted to ask you how many uh, how many offers did you give out for mustache rides that night? Not enough. <laughs> I think one girl says she wanted Because it, it doesn't make a difference how many times I get asked. I still love turning them down. Because <laughs> it, it just makes me go, you know what? If I wasn't married, I would turn this into some kind of positive. <laughs> like, <laughs> it would be interesting. I might be a dirty old man, and I apologize for that. But you know what? You'll still have fun with me when I take you out. It's going to be a good hey, time. Hey, do you have, a, you have product for that mustache? Do you use product in that thing? Absolutely. Yes, I have a process. I don't just use product. I have about a f- six-minute process. It's kind of pathetic. Okay. but Well, uh, I got a product for you that's like one of my sponsors. What? That I think you should try. Okay. It's called Dapper Man Brand. Yeah, so- I've heard of it, but I don't use it. What? Do, wait, uh, so they have specific mustache wax? Oh, I don't know if it – well, I don't know if it's specific mustache wax yet, but they have like – they have a hair product right now at least – and uh, I don't know if you use it as mustache too, but here's what it looks like. Oh. Can you see that? Yeah. It's all good. So uh, yeah, it's actually my uh, my Rockstar sponsors. It's his uh, it's his brand, and he has like if you ever met this guy, his mustache would would totally rival your mustache as well. So I have a feeling maybe he uses it. He probably does. Yeah. How about this? Yeah. Let's uh, let's let's trade some let's trade some contact information. Maybe yeah. maybe Seat Time needs some facial hair product sponsorship. Maybe. I don't he's know. A, he's a cool guy. I mean, maybe if you just sent a photo of your mustache, you'd be into it. I'd be like, dude, seriously, it could be so much better if it had your stuff in it. Yeah, try it out. I'd be tur- I'd be turning down twenties of women's, not just tens of women's. I can't grow. I can't grow that kind of mustache. So everybody says that, and you know what? Ten years ago, I couldn't. In, I couldn't either. And now, what up? I'm turning so away, took, ladies. Turn hey, away, ladies. It took you ten years to grow that. No, it took me about a. It took me. It took me a year to get it to where I like it. To be honest, because I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, I know how to grow a mustache, but now that I like tried to grow a mustache to like do something with, I was like, I don't know how to trim this stuff or like shape it or nothing. So it's taken me. It probably took me about ten months to get to the point where I was really like, that's the mustache I want to have. So about the past <laughs> two months, I've kind of like kept it at that. Nice point, if you will. Well, nice job with that. Yep, I'm glad to see that you and your love day enjoy it. <laughs> it got weird. All right, well, where can people find you on the social medias if they are looking to find out more information about you, sir? Uh, just everything is at Colton Haker, so Twitter, uh, Instagram, and uh, like Facebook is... Like facebook.com backslash Colm Haker. That's easy. So, That's easy. Yeah, everything's the same and makes it easy. Awesome. So uh, you're you're a fly racing sponsored athlete. Did you uh, get to wear any of your awesome kinetic mesh uh, racewear there in Texas? Yeah, I wear all my kinetic mesh racewear at every race. Good man. Good man. Tell tell everybody how awesome it is. Well, they make uh, well the the gear itself was was vented, so it was nice for the. 80% humidity and whatever degrees it was. Um, 
And then, yeah, I use all their stuff. So, like, they're, uh, it makes some, like, what do you call it? Like, spandex underwear or whatever that, uh, like, a lot of guys will use, like, asterisk knee socks or whatever. Yeah. And, and I just use the fly, like, high knee socks, right? They go up above my knee. So that covers, like, that part. And then you put the, the race shorts on that are padded, like, on the sides and your, you know, your gooch area. And, uh, <laughs> you put those on and then they have, like, a, like an end, like the bottom of them has like a material that like makes the socks stay up, so it doesn't let the socks slip under where your knee brace will be rubbing on your skin, right? Right. So I use I use that, so it's almost like wearing uh, full pants once you put those two together. Um, and then you know I run my EBS knee braces, and then you know I got the fly helmet and gear above all that. So so you've got you've got a pretty good working system, and, and fly helps yeah, you help you stay protected. I was just explaining to people like if they want to visualize me as I started to put my clothes on to when I ended, you know, like visually how it looks. So. That's good because my problem is I always was trying to visualize you how you looked when you didn't have clothes on. So now right. that now that I can watch you put them on, I can never see you naked again, which Basically, is probably for the better. You're just undressing me in your in your mind right now. Just go on. <laughs> now I know that now that I know how you get dressed, I can now undress you. <laughs> probably for the worse probably uh, for the worst <laughs> alright well thank you very much sir for giving up some of your time and coming on the show we really appreciate it great job this past weekend I know it was not the result that you were hoping for and I could see a little bit of disappointment in your eyes and at the bottom of your drinks but I know you're doing good things and we're going to see great things from you this year so thanks again dude thanks yeah, thanks for having me absolutely we'll talk to you soon man all right, so Colton Haker, we got him on the show. Great times, of course. The dude's super cool. I loved his intro. We need more guys that want to have fun like that. I think that that was, that was fantastic. I was in the middle of something and saw it come up on our computer, and I was like, no, go to that. That is amazing. We need that on the screen right now. So that's what I'm talking about. So, of course, this has been Seat Time. This is episode 131. Um, X Games is over. It was awesome. So much fun. Um, I got to meet a lot of cool people. I really appreciate everybody that was uh, – it was so kind to hang out with me and to kind of just, just let me hang out with them and, and all that kinds of fun stuff. It was great. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, our good friends, Mabe and Adam, let us stay at their house so that way we didn't have to try to find some absorbent fees at the hotels and have to put up with all that stuff. My kids had a great time hanging out with their kids. If anybody questions how intense my son is, Liam, who's 20, 22 months old now, today actually, their son, who is two weeks younger, uh, Ori, than Liam, he would actually fall asleep sitting up because Liam would make him pass out. Like, Liam is so intense, and Ori couldn't keep up. Like, they'd be playing, playing, playing for, like, a couple hours, and all of a sudden, like, Liam would just take off and, like, oh, where's Ori? And they'd find him, like, ass in the air, just head on the ground, asleep. He didn't need to, like, be told to take a nap. He just passed out. So if you think that my kid's not intense, you got another thing coming. So just wait till he gets on a dirt bike. It's going to be awesome. So... FlyRacing.com, huge, huge supporter of Seat Time. You need to go check them out. Of course, Stillwell Performance is great. If you need any kind of squishiness on your motorcycle, you need about an adjustable linkage guard. I promise you with the KTM on those new ones, you feel like, ah, if you came off a linkage list and go to linkage, it's a little weird. It is. There's just a different geometry feel. 
this adjustable linkage guard can help you make up for that. Also, it keeps you from keep you know hitting the bottom of your shock on weird stuff uh, and going over the handlebars or racking yourself. Nobody likes that. Of course, KR4 has their arrive and ride program. With this, you can go take part in races on different parts of the continent that you never thought you could before. And uh, I I definitely say that you should go check out this stuff. If not, go search for uh, Woody and Stevens arrive and ride adventure, and you're gonna just be sold on it because moonshine. Dirt bikes, UTVs, and uh, I'd say naked women, but honestly, there isn't any of that. But you can pretend. You can find naked women after you watch it and put them together in your mind, and it's like, bam, all the best things ever that you could ever look for. Um, And I'm sure if you're somebody that's looking for naked men, you just find that, put it at the end of the video, and bam, everything you're ever looking for. So either way. Whatever you need, it's there. You can find it in that video. We really appreciate that. Of course, the guys over at Fast Company, if you don't know, they do make some of the best handlebars out there. They're flex bars. These flex bars, it's different, sure. People are like, I don't want my bars to flex. It's not something that you're going to notice. It's something that's going to help take out the vibrations, and it's going to make your ride much, much more enjoyable. So definitely go check out the guys over at Fast Company at fastco.com. If that's not confusing, I don't know what is, but please go check them out. Again, we do have our T-shirt campaign going on for the next nine days. We've got a couple more to sell, and, of course, then we can definitely print the order. After that, any other ones, it just goes and adds to it. Um, You're helping us um, support the show, um, supporting adventures like we've done. Of course, that kind of stuff isn't free. We do need to pay down credit card debt, and one of the things we wanted to do is create something badass. So if you can't support badassery, what are you doing hanging out here? Thank you for paying attention to Seat Time. This has been another fantastic episode, the online show for the off-road enthusiasts. Remember to always enjoy a pint full of awesome. Steven, what did I forget? Nothing. Teespring.com slash Seat Didn't I do that? I did. All right. Teespring.com slash Seat I'm going to say it again. Hey, everybody. Peace.